0: Oh, yes. Okay, the Rambam postulated that there were 13 principles of faith. And one of those principles of faith, one of those principles of faith is Torah Min HaShamayim. Torah Min HaShamayim. Now, up to here, I think it's easy enough. But if somebody asks you what Torah Min HaShamayim is, like how did it work, there's some difficulty in explaining which part of the Torah was Min ha-shamayim. In fact, you could argue that none of the Torah was Min ha-shamayim. Let's take the parshiot of Yitro and Mishpatim. So in the parsha of Yitro, we have the Aserta Debrot. That, that's certainly Min ha-shamayim. But you know that Chazal taught us that they Israel didn't really hear all of the ten Dibrot they heard the first one maybe the second one max right that's all they heard and there's like a tension in Chazal between the experience of it and the knowledge of it right so that really the Harsinai Harsinai was not about getting information but it was about experiencing the fact that God could give a Torah. In order to experience that, you don't have to get the whole Torah. You don't even have to get a little of the Torah. One word is enough. If God said to B'le'ezel, Anochi, and B'le'ezel heard it, and they were in, so they knew. They knew something that they hadn't known before, that before they had to take on trust. Who did they trust? Abraham, and Yitzhak and Yaakov, who told them, that there's a Torah and there will be mitzvot and, and they did the mitzvot, right? That's, that's what, they, that's what they, they understood and they learned. But here, at Har Sinai, they experienced God giving them the Torah. How much of the Torah do you have to experience? A fraction, a tiny bit. Because we know that the actual content of the Torah was given to Bnei Yisrael during the 38 years that they spent in the desert. It was Moshe Rabbeinu who would go to the Omoed and God would communicate the next section of the Torah with Moshe Rabbeinu. And then he would, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu would go out and teach the people what he had learned from, from God. So what did Moshe Rabbeinu do on Har Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights? I mean Twice? I mean, he was not such a good student, so he had to do the whole thing over again. I mean, what was it that Moshe Rabbeinu learned in the 40 days and 40 nights that he spent on Har Sinai? Is that like a question? Can you ask that question? Does anybody ever ask that question? Didn't you teach us the second time amongst other things, he was getting a about that, didn't get the first time? It could be. It could be the Nitsi, for example, in his commentary, is a great supporter of that idea. Well, to go uh, along with the... Your... Look, really, I haven't started the year yet. No, this is just introductory stuff that everybody... I, I just want to indicate to you that there's a... Um, that there's doubt. Like we don't really know. We, we say there's Torah Min HaShemayim. But if I try to think about it, I say, well, B'nai Yisrael didn't get the Torah Min HaShemayim. B'nai Yisrael got the Torah from Moshe Rabbeinu, who got the Torah from HaKodesh Baruch Hu, but it wasn't at Har Sinai. It was not at Har Sinai. It was during the 38 years in the desert. So what was Moshe Rabbeinu the recipient of at Har Sinai? What what did Moshe Rabbeinu get? So one possibility is that if you take the Torah and divide it, you split it apart into mitzvot and history, right? They just split it apart. So Moshe Rabbeinu on Har Sinai learned the mitzvot, but he couldn't teach them to Bnei Yisrael because they weren't in the Torah. Because the Torah is a combination of of the mitzvot and the histories. So, if you had asked me the story of Bil'am. Remember Bil'am? Bil'am, Bamidvar. The story of Bil'am. He a bad guy. He wanted to curse the Jew. You remember that story? Hey, there you go. (laughs) There you go. That's his great contribution to the Jewish the feeling about we're the greatest because Matovu Yaakov. So, when Moshe Rabbeinu was on Har Sinai, did God teach him the Torah of Bilam? <laughs> Don't get nervous. I'm not the first one to ask this question because the question's in the Gemara. The, the whole phrase Torah of Bilam it sounds so oxymoronic. To compile the two together. Yeah, but you, you, you're, you're going to lead me to a confusing path here. All I want to say is, all I want to say is that it's possible. I was not there. I don't know. I didn't consult with Moshe Rabbeinu. I said, but it's possible that Torah, that Torah means mitzvot plus histories. Stories about what happened to B'nai Israel. Now those happenings to B'nai Israel didn't happen yet when Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moshe Rabbeinu received the Torah on Sinai. It hadn't happened yet. So did he receive those stories? I don't know. But my inclination, because of my quasi-scientific background is, no. That how can he receive a Torah that hadn't yet happened yet? So when we say that Moshe Rabbeinu taught the Torah to Bnei Yisrael in 38 years that they wandered around in the desert, what we mean is that the finished product, which includes stories. Right? The stories of Pinchas' story, of the story, of Sikon and Og, and, and all of those stories, all of those stories were taught by Moshe Rabbeinu to Bnei Yisrael after they happened. Not before they happened it was after after they happened so what happened at Har Sinai what happened at Har Sinai they experienced experience means it happened to me I didn't have to ask somebody but what happened to me was that I saw that God was willing to give a Torah to B'nai Yisrael how much of the Torah does God have to give to B'nai Yisrael to prove that he's willing to give the Torah to B'nai Yisrael a tiny bit because it doesn't matter once, you in, once you've experienced the fact that, well, you know, K-N-O-W, that God is going to give the Torah to B'nai Yisrael, it's so, okay. So then Moshe Avedo comes along and he says, this is it. Okay. So it's not a hundred percent, but it's close. If Moshe Avedo would have come and said to B'nai Yisrael, here it is, without having Har Sinai, so I would say, look, Moshe Rabbeinu, he's a great guy, and he took us out of the triumph, and I have a lot of faith in him, but who knows? Maybe he's confused by some advertising agency of some or other. But since I previously experienced the fact that God wants to give the Torah to B'nai Yisrael, I have more, it's more likely that I will believe Moshe Rabbeinu when he comes and tells me this is it. You know, they believe Joseph Smith. <laughs> Nothing? No, no. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing, right? It's amazing. They believe Joseph Smith. One of his followers almost ran for President of the United States. One that the one did run, but the one before, no, Ezra Taft Benson, he was the first one who might have run. But Romney, you know, the, 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 the Rav once said, I was in Shia, the Rav said, uh, we, asked, we asked the Rav, we said, Rebbe, Rebbe, who are you voting for? It was Nixon against Kennedy. So there were 30 guys in the Shear in those days. You know, 30, maybe 30. 30 out of 30 were voting for Kennedy. Right? I mean, how could you not vote for Kennedy? He looked good. He sounded good. He was young, you know. Nixon, you just looked at him. You saw he was a god of... Right? (laughs) So he said to the Ruff, so he said to the Ruff, Rabbi, Rabbi, who are you going to vote for? So the Ruff said, Nixon. So of course... This was a watershed moment, you know, like, like we were ready to faint in the sheer. I mean, how, how can you vote for, for Nixon? So the Ruff said, you can't vote for a Catholic. What do you think of that? Huh? So uh, based on that, I, said, I told people, you can't vote for a Mormon. Huh? There's, there's another authority that they accept. And the Arabs didn't like that. They didn't like that, you know, Catholics, they had to listen to the Pope. So even if they say that, I mean, after all, uh, Kennedy was not even a lapsed Catholic. He was not a, anything to do with, I mean, his mother was uh, religious, but he was not. All right, it, does, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't really matter. Just go to the, the basic history? Who? Can you go to the basic history? Basic history of what? Skira from... The, Right. How ah could I if it was a test I could do it
1: last year I was teaching in a Catholic boys high school in the Bronx and one of the fellows Good from the university came and spoke to one of the classes there They was taught by a girl whose father was Catholic and mother was Jewish
0: it was a, and he was inspired to go
1: on to the Rabbanu after
0: the okay. <laughs> I can't say that about myself <laughs> now look the, what happened at Har Sinai the first time around was that a little bit of Torah a little bit of Torah was taught to B'nai Yisrael and that made it possible for them to accept Moshe Rabbanu as representing the Torah min HaShamayim. now you could say well it's not 100% certain I mean there's like, all, there's like a break here between what Moshe Rabbeinu heard in, in the Ol um Moed in the, in the Mishkan and then when he taught to B'nai Israel how does B'nai Israel know that Moshe Rabbeinu actually got it from God maybe they weren't that clever but they knew something that no one else knew before except for Avram Avinu, right Avon Ravinu? Avram Avinu is introduced in the Torah. How is Avram Avinu introduced in the Torah? Avram Avinu. Remember Breshit? Right? Lech Lecha? So how is Avram Avinu introduced? A mitzvah. In in other words, Avram Avinu is the person who knew that God wants something. God wants something from us. That's the deal. It's not. Uh, it's not that God created the world. God created the world. It's not God could do whatever God wishes. God could do whatever God wishes. But <coughs> Rambam Ravinu, who was a thoughtful person, certainly, maybe even according to the Rambam, a great thinker, was able to think himself into the world of monotheism. Right? There's no record of what Arun Ravinu did in the Torah, what he thought, what, what, what he imagined, whether he believed in the proof of causality or not, and nothing, there's nothing in that the Torah. The only thing in the Torah about Am Rafina was that he converted a prosaic act, i we're getting this five he converted a prosaic act. What was the prosaic act that he converted it into a, into a sacred, uh, uh, a sacred act? What was the prosaic act? Going what? Going to Canaan. Because who really was going to Canaan? Who led the family to Canaan? Terach. Right? Terach was no great tzaddik. What did Avram Avedu do? He also went to Canaan. What's the difference? Avram went to Canaan because it's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah, so there's a difference. There's a difference in going to Israel. Even as a tourist, if you're a Jewish tourist, or if you're a non-Jewish tourist, there's a difference. Because a Jewish tourist... Isbechazot is going to a place that has a certain kind of meaning in terms of my own presence. Like, where should I be? I should be in, uh, in, uh, uh, Eretz Israel. Whereas the, the non-Jewish tourists can say, oh, it's very nice, history, things happened here, but they can't say that I belong here, that I have, a, that I'm obligated to come to live in Eretz Israel in any way, manner, or form. So Avram Avinu was the one who discovered, who who we see for our benefit. Avram Avinu discovered the fact that God wants something of us. And that if you do it because God told you to do it, it's a conversion. Like it's not regular. It's not what what you think. It's responding to God's will. And that makes a tremendous amount of difference, which we will... We'll see. So now, the parashiot of Yidro and Mishpatim. The parashiot of Yitro contains the Aseret and Debrot. And we said that Chazal minimized the Aseret and Debrot. It could be that B'nai Israel didn't hear all of the Aseret and Debrot then. Maybe one, maybe two, very little. Just the idea that God wants something of us is what penetrated. Right? Just like Avram Rabinu. Except that this was for the entire nation of Israel. Avram Rabinu, individual... And how the nation of Israel is learning the same thing that God wants something from us. When did B'nai Israel learn what that wants something from us is? During the 38 years of the desert when Moshe Rabbeinu taught them the Torah and maybe the Torah Shevaal as the Nitziv says again and again but not only Nitziv also in the Hasidut they say <coughs> they say that. Now in the Parsha of Yisro after the aserta dibroth wrote what do you have? A few halachot also halachot, and then the parsha of mishpatim. What's the parsha of mishpatim? The Parish of mishpatim is 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 unique in that it's a collection of halachot that seem to be very um, uninspiring. Let's say that uninspiring laws of slavery. Okay, if you're running a business, then you have slaves. So you have to have laws of slavery, slavery, but that doesn't mean they're inspiring. They can be a little less harsh or a little more harsh, a little. But, but everybody knows that in the ancient Near East, ancient Near East, this is the modern Near East. But in the ancient Near East, there were many codes of law. I mean, people enjoyed organizing their lives. And in those codes, the most famous of which is called the Code of Hammurabi, uh, Hammurabi was a Babylonian king. Babylonia refers not so much to the geography, but to the language. Right, The Code of Hammurabi is written in a language which we call Babylonian. In the, so so there are also laws there are laws about slaves, there are laws about marriage, there are laws about divorce, there are laws about property, and many years ago they noticed, many years ago, they noticed that, uh, that there's sometimes there's similarities, and that the laws are so that, that if you, you could do nothing, nothing to trivialize the parish of Mishpatim more. And I'm sure that sometimes rabbis, you know, uh, like, uh, just Want well, to get past the Pasha Mishpatim. It's like a tough one when somebody in the, in the crowd says, Rabbi, what about Hammurabi? So that's, uh, I don't know what you say. I don't, I don't know. What I mean, I have never been a rabbi. So I, uh, you know, so I've always had an adversarial position with Talmudim. So it's different. I don't have to be nice. Well, if you're a rabbi, you have to be nice to people. So they answer you a good question, what are you going to say? I have the same problem. You, know, you, can't, you can't do that. You have to be the fountain of wisdom, right, if you're a rabbi. It's only a teacher who can get away with saying, I don't know something. But, uh, but the pay is not good. So, <laughs> so you, that's the benefit. The benefit is you could say you don't know, but the disadvantage is that the pay is not so great. What? Oh, you get a lot of a lot of. Not yeshiva, not yeshiva. It's true, it's true, but not yeshiva. So mishpatim are further laws that B'nai yisrael learned after, after my after the the revelation on Har Sinai. Internally, we we don't know why these laws were chosen. And we are further annoyed by the fact that they are similar. Some of them are similar to the laws of, of Hammurabi. And then there's another code called the Assyrian laws, which has also got all of this, all of this stuff in it. Uh, today, it's all you know easily available in translation, so you don't have to learn Babylonian, which is what I had to do, because uh, we didn't have Google. So we had to just learn it. But uh, uh, it's not that hard. It's like annoying, but not hard. After the parish of Mishpatim, after the parish of Mishpatim, the order of things, if let's say the Torah is going in order, see on the they then you have some other halakhot, including the Mizbeach, then you have Mishpatim. What do you have after Mishpatim? Moshe Rabbeinu is directed by God to go up on Har Sinai. Remember, this is all happening on the same day. Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Har Sinai. God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu, who to B'nai Yisrael, and then Moshe Rabbeinu came down and taught them a bunch of halachot, some of them in Yitro, and some of them at the beginning of Bishmatim. And then God said, Oh, uh, what about B'nai Yisrael? What do they have to say? So they said something good. They said, Naseh V'nishma, which we are eternally proud of. Like you said, Naseh V'nishma. It doesn't sound... I'm not sure exactly what's so great about saying we accept what we don't know, but let's say it is. Let's say it is. We accept what we don't know, and we're, you know. Okay. (coughs) After that, at the end of the parish of Mishpatim, right, we're in Mishpatim, God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, now go up on Har Sinai, 40 days and 40 nights, and you'll get the Torah. And God uses out stones, and on the stones are written the uh, Aseret debrot, all of them. And Moshe Rabbeinu comes down eventually from Har Sinai and uh, discovers that the uh, Egel has a half. Now here you have a problem with the ordering of things in the Torah, right? Where Yitro is a Hadibrot, Mishpatim is Mishpatim, and Moshe Rabbeinu goes back up on Har Sinai. So what's the next parsha? Next what? Next parish in the Torah after Mishpatim, Truma, Truma, Tetzave are about the about the Mishka. Then Kitisa. Kitisa the, contains the story of the Egel Azahav. So uh, something is is a little wacko here, right? I mean the order of things. But until Truma, until Truma, I can I can validate the order of things. Moshe Rabbeinu brought Bnei Israel to Har Sinai on the sixth day of of Sivan Moshe Rabbeinu went up the Jews were close they heard they saw they believed Moshe Rabbeinu came down and taught them halachot mishpatim he taught them uh, some halachot before and then in the parish of mishpatim after that on that day the sixth of Sivan the day Israel said Naseh v'nishma then Moshe Rabbeinu went up to get the Torah in other words the Torah was given to the people who agreed to get the Torah it wasn't that they got the Torah and then somebody said to them, "How'd you like it?" It was rather that there was a, a prior acceptance, a prior acceptance. So that's the order of things until the end of the parsha of Mishpatim. Of course, we're leaving out the details, and we well, want. I mean,
1: the said after they hear, I know, that Yeah, yeah. Well, is it, is when that Moshe Rabbeinu is in the
0: camp, he comes back down. That's not prior. After betach, it's in the Pasha mishpatim. After right. they learned all these halachot and mishpatim, but they were on the ground. Moshe Rabbeinu was in the camp.
1: They accepted the Torah after they hear the Torah. In other words, after they hear. The
0: no, 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 no. First they heard that God. <coughs> they experienced the fact that God was willing to give a Torah well, to heard beg it to t- them. More than
1: willing, they. They heard, heard anochi. At the least they heard anochi. Well, well, the pesha of the Torah, is they heard all ten. The, the yeah, but, uh, getting into yeah, but I'm,
0: I'm, I'm opting for the Chazal yeah. position. I even it better. the Chazal
1: position is, you're hearing one and two.
0: Okay, okay, but the one and two are like very broad, I am God, don't worship any other gods. It's not like Mishpatim. Mishpatim, there are slaves, and then you have to take care of them, you have to do this, you have to do that, I mean, the, the details... That's the details of the legal system. But in in, in any event, in any event, what we start out with, we're talking about Torah Min HaShemayim. I like try to, like, what's Torah Min HaShemayim? So, Torah Min HaShemayim means that, ultimately, it comes from God. The question is, how do I know that it comes from God? So, okay. So, the first, uh Hashem experienced what a prophet experiences. That's what the Rambam says, the Rambam says. I experienced what a prophet experiences. And then I learned Torah, parashat mishpatim. And I said, okay, now I know a little bit of the Torah. I accept the little bit that I know and the lot that I don't yet know. The Moshe Rabbeinu goes up to Harsinai 40 days and 40 nights, and he gets the entire Torah. What that means, I suggested, I made a suggestion, maybe getting the entire Torah meant the mitzvot, the Tariyad mitzvot, but not the histories, not the stories. And when Moshe Rabbeinu taught it to Bnei Yisrael, he integrated the history with the... Uh, so the stories they go in the study in the Midrash. Right. The st- was, I mean, uh, they couldn't have the them stories happened. before they happened. No,
1: they about
0: the stories from Atomies and the Okay, so Rashi says, Rashi says that they had that Torah. Rashi and Perik uh, Yutet, in Yitro, Rashi says that the Torah, the story, until Yitziat Mitzrayim, was known to B'nai Israel that they had it. It had it as a text it was written down but I guess that Moshe Rabbeinu when he taught it he had to teach it uh, with great precision you know the words were very important so they that Moshe Rabbeinu gave them the exact wording of the stories from Pereshit until uh, until Aseret Adib wrote so just, so, what was the, the precise Hebrew they were the first, of course, uh, first of course. what do you mean when, when did when Moshe Rabbeinu go time, up yeah, on the 6th day of Sivan and the 2nd luchot? luchot on Rosh Chodesh in, the, in other words the 6th day of Sivan he was there 40 <laughs> days and 40 nights right. then he was in the camp for 40 days and 40 nights I mean, it's 80 days and those 80 days bring you to Rosh Chodesh Elu right. and then, and then see, 40 see, days later which is Yom Kippur yeah. Moshe Abedu came down with the 2nd Luchot What? So the Right, he, he came yeah. down with the Aserda that okay. After after four, no, after forty days, the text that Moshe Rabbeinu came down to B'nai Israel with was the Aserda Debrot written on the Lukot Evan. And that and that since Moshe Rabbeinu had no one to give it to, because they were all dancing around. So he 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 had this uh, this uh, he, uh, unreasonable situation. He had Torah. He was carrying the Torah, but he had no one to give it to. So he broke the the, the tablets. He broke the tablets It's like similar to Avram Avinu and and Yitzchak. Rakoy yeah. to Rashi, Rakoy to Rashi, Avram Avinu, the the Malach said to Avram Avinu, "Alti Shlach Hadnar." Well, what is says that? Too. Who says, says it? That's the type of his is he before, after Rashi? Yeah, okay, but that's the possible. what does Rashi say? Well, right. because Avram Avedu couldn't believe he couldn't like he couldn't absorb the fact that God told him to sacrifice his son, and then the angel told him not to sacrifice his son. That's the only thing about Akedas Yitzchak, according to Rashi, that didn't make sense to Aram Ravino. Everything else, I mean, he, in other words, if God tells you to do something, you don't understand it, that doesn't mean anything. Because there's no, we don't have a contract that we have to understand everything that God tells us to do. But if God, <laughs> if God renegs on his own demand, that's something we didn't understand. We didn't fit into our concept of, of God. So what does the Rashi say? So Abravinu figured that if he would uh, take the knife and cut his eye, uh, uh, produce a blemish in Yitzchak, that he would not be worthy of being a sacrifice. It would be pasul. He would be pasul as a sacrifice. So if you're pasul, uh, pasul as a sacrifice, So Abravinu uh, figured that, that, that maybe that's what God meant. That you should sacrifice your son, but it could be that you won't be able to. Because he will, he'll have this blemish. So the, the Malach said, Al tishlach anar. Uh, You don't understand, you don't understand, but don't, you know, don't take it into your, uh, your own hands. God told you to do something, and now God told you not to do it. That's the end of the story. <coughs> so all of this, all, how do we get to Aravino? It's similar to. Uh, it's
1: similar, so it's what's similar? So breaking the luchos is oh, oh, right, right.
0: So, so, well, uh, maybe it's similar, then, but uh, but Moshe Rabbeinu broke the luchos because he had no one to give the luchos to. There's no one to hold them. You see, he held them, but he realized that he has to go and do something. He has to take care of this problem in the camp where they built the the golden calf. So he had to give it to somebody. But there's no one to give it to. There were no righteous people on the level of Moshe Rabbeinu to give the luchos to. So Moshe Rabbeinu solved the problem by breaking the luchos. In, in other words, he might have been guilty of something. He, Moshe Rabbeinu, but, but you no longer had to give it to anybody. <coughs> so now look at the sheep. After Yom then they went to right? They moved away from Har Sinai. Yeah, they started... And shortly after that with the Miraglam, the story of the Miraglam. That's in Shlach. It's told in the story in the, Fajr Shlach, in the Torah, in the Fajr Shlach. The,
1: the idea that there wasn't communication with God in Moshe of 38 years. There was or there wasn't? There was, was not. Why? Is that, that's, the Rav talks about that. I mean, the Torah says that. So I know that there wasn't, is that, not I don't think so.
0: I think that uh, it's quite clear that Moshe Rabbeinu learned the Torah from God in the whole way. I'm not sure what you're referring to. So look at the sheet. The first pasuk in our parasha is It's introductory. The, the information in, in Yitro. remember we're in Mishpatim, but in Yitro there were also Halachot after the Aseret of doesn't have an introduction. Suddenly, all of a sudden, in Mishpatim, there's an introduction to the content of Mishpatim. V. The introduction is V. Eile. And then Hamishpatim. First of all, the name Mishpatim. I mean, uh, we don't know exactly what that means. Asher Tassim Lifnei Hem. What does Asher Tassim Lifnei mean? Because you... Uh, it's Moshe Rabbeinu supposed to teach B'nei Yisrael the Mishpatim. But the Simlif Nehem, like a meal, like something nice that you get, you just put it out there. But what does that mean? What does that mean? So you have to look at Rashi. Rashi explains it. Rashi says, Kol makom shenemar eile, arishonot. mosiv al arishonot. So there's a principle of Chazal already said that the Vav, makes all the difference. That if the word Eile is written in the Torah, Eile these, it usually means, forget about what you've learned in the past, and this is the important thing. The Eile means, don't forget what you learned in the past, that, add this on, right? This goes with the Aseret that they wrote, with the Alachot that you learned in, uh, okay? The Eile Mosif Al-Rishonot. So what does that mean? Shall not be seen I." So here's Rashi. Rashi says that Misenai is an idea that the Torah is Misenai. It's not a fact. How so? The aser that they wrote were Misenai because everybody was listening to the voice that was coming from Har Sinai. But Mishpatim, who taught the Mishpatim to whom? Right? Moshe Rabbeinu to B'nei Yisrael. So that's not B'sinai. So Rashi says, V'eile, that B is like A. In what way is B like A? Just like A is is B'sinai. So B is also B'sinai. Physically, was it at Sinai? Yes, it was. They were near, but they were not experiencing the revelation. This is Moshe Rabbeinu teaching Torah to B'nei Yisrael. So, so, it turns out that what Rashi says is, what Rashi says is, that Moshe Rabbeinu teaching Torah to B'nei Yisrael, that's called, what's that called? Mi Sinai. Mi Sinai. So, it
1: not that Moshe heard it in Torah? Moshe received it at Sinai. Yeah. I mean, that's how I understood this Rashi. That, what? that he received this information and he is teaching it now to the Jewish people.
0: Ah, it could be. It could be, but it's not the same as the Aseret de that they brought. Because the Aseret de that they brought was and a communal the experience. Didn't... There wasn't this intermediary. <coughs> so there was an intermediary. I mean, it changes something. Sinai doesn't mean that they
1: heard it from Sinai. I means,
0: was revealed at Sinai. No, but the Seret and whatever they heard, they were like Moshe Rabbeinu. All the people, all the people were like Moshe Rabbeinu at Sinai. So if they heard one word, or one Tiber, or two Debrot, they were like Moshe Rabbeinu. For Mishpatim, they weren't like Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu became an intermediary. So of course, so Moshe Rabbeinu is teaching them, I mean, they, when you say it's the same, what do you mean that it's the same?
1: Well, they heard the rest of the commandments from Moshe at Sinai. Yeah. Just as they heard those commandments through Moshe, but they were revealed at Sinai, so to these okay, but by Moshe. But Moshe heard them at Sinai. He heard them directly
0: from God standing at Sinai. Okay. But I think that you would like to say that something means Sinai, that means it's the highest level of human perception. Right? It's not that they happen to be there or that Moshe Rabbeinu <coughs> it could be it could be that this is an introduction to the continuing teaching of Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah in the, in the Midbar, could be ok, let's go on, because Rashi says himself the lama parashat dinim parashat so Rashi asks one of these kinds of questions that has to do with order the end of the parasha of Yitro is about building the Mizbeach. and the beginning of the parasha of Mishpatim is about Dinim, meaning things that usually happen in courts. Right, So how come Mizbeach comes with Dinim? shetasim Sanhedrim Eitzel Hamikdash. Or the Mizbeach. That the place of the Sanhedrin, which is the highest court, is in the Beit Hamikdash oh. next to the Misehach. That's oh, nice. the that's the answer. So that's, that's, the right, uh, right. You, you know you know Rashi. Rashi holds Ein Mukdamu Mulchar BaTorah, right? That, that the order, the chronological order, is not important. Wasn't the Ramban the one who advanced that? No, so the Rambad disagrees. Oh, I'm sorry. He advanced the disagreement. <laughs> So is an order guy. He says everything... The in ra- order. Ramban thinks that everything... Everything that you could show is in order, you should show it's in order. Whereas Rashi thinks that um, order is not at all a principle of the writing of the Torah. So anytime things are not in order, we're not too shocked by it. According to Rashi. Now Rashi, when he says, Eid mukdam Torah. Or he says, Lama, you know that that uh, that there's some kind of uh, lack of chronology." He doesn't explain why, because he doesn't think that. It's just like chronology. You don't explain chronology, do you? Like if something happened Sunday and then something happened Wednesday, and that's how it is in the Torah. You so don't explain why the Torah the chronology is seen by us as being kind of a basic, a basic principle. But Rashi. Rashi says chronology is not necessarily a base; it could be non-chronology, and he doesn't have to tell you why the chronology was usurped. But here, in this case, he tells you. But why does he do that? If I told you that I lit Shabbat candles tonight, you would look at me kind of oddly. That's not chronology. Chronology is about uh, talking about the wedding of your children before you were born. That's called chronology. <laughs> right, so, uh, so Rashi would not be too excited about that. But the Ramban wouldn't like it. And he would try to show that, oh, you didn't notice that really you, the Torah did talk about your wedding earlier, you know, like and try to dray it out there. Now listen to this Rashi. Asher Tassim Lifnei elam Mishpatim, Asher Tassim Lifnei Asher Tassim means you place before them. Oma la karish bochel li So Rashi has a whole story that he tries to get to make us aware of. Lota lel dat halomaha eshne lahem haperek vahlacha beto gimel pa'amim achite sturabe fihem ke mishenet ke mishnata. Don't think Moshe Rabbeinu. That you're like one of those teachers in schools that we have today, that you just you know go over the material and you tell them to memorize this and memorize that, and then they could spit it back on a short answer, what they call an American test in Israel, because you know Americans don't have time to write, so they could just make little X's and boxes, and that's called a test. That's it. So 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 Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, don't think that you could be one of those teachers in modern day day schools. He says But I, to think Moshe Rabbeinu, I don't have to really teach them the profundity of the matter. And then I want to teach them uh, to memorize a couple of psukim you know, like shirat hayam, or I'll teach you to memorize a pasuk in mishpatim, and that's enough. So God says to Moshe you better not do that. You better not do that. You better really teach the real thing. You better teach the real thing. In other words, this is an indication that according to Rashi, Rashi understood that teaching Torah has levels. You could do it one way, and you could do it more profoundly, trying to get to the truth, that since Moshe Rabbeinu had the truth, he might have come to the conclusion these these kids are never gonna learn anything, you know, like a very kind of educationally powerful position. Like, you know, Majra said, But they Israel, I know them, they've been working as slaves and they you know they they haven't read a book in four hundred years and it's hopeless. So God says to Moshe, and, and therefore Moshe would say, I know the Torah, but I know I can't teach them. And so Rashi says, Rashi says, you can't assume such a position. It's a counter-indicated position in Torah study. Because you may have heard, you may have heard that there's a mitzvah on every person. It's incumbent on every person to learn Torah. Which is a remarkable, a remarkable thing. It's like going to some small town in Nevada and saying the only thing you're going to learn is uh, uh, sub-nuclear physics. Mm-hmm. That's all. No one's going to learn anything else. So of course they'd laugh you out of the town. But that's basically what we do with Gemara. Well, you know, with Torah Shaval we say everybody can do it and everybody can be successful and you could be optimistic about it. That's what. That's what this Rashi says. So like this is a pretty remarkable position and it demands, of course, a lot of concern by educators, which we may not have. And then he says, uh and therefore the Posak says those words, Ashurta Simlifnahem means which you place before them. Uh v'uchan le'chol as by I Ima 2:3 la vinam ta mae davar u uh, payushol kacha mar ashta sim lifnayem tasim to place it before them kishulchan ha'aruch umuchan mukhan lechol ha'adam place it before them so it's accessible to them in other words the teacher the responsibility of the teacher is to make it uh something that the that the student wants to chew up, wants to eat. He, he looks at it and he says, I can do that. You know, I can do it. And uh, uh, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu was supposed to do. share because Simlifnehem, means you have to not only teach them the Torah, but you have to convince them that they can do it. That they, that they can't come, you know, uh, I always know this story. When I, was in, when I was in Russia. Students used to come, people used to come into the uh, yeshiva I was in a, a Russian yeshiva, the yeshiva in Moscow. And people, Russians, used to come to the yeshiva and they would say, um, okay, well, you know, I guess they heard there were good lunches or something. They said, we'll be in the yeshiva. I said, fine. Do you know how to read Hebrew? No. So I take out one of those old Tikkun Meir Sidurim that has the Hebrew alphabet in the beginning and the vowels. I gave it to them and I said, look, when you know how to read Hebrew, come back. Come back to me. They would sit down in the Beit Midrash and they'd learn how to read Hebrew. It would take them two hours and they'd come to me and say, okay, what's next? i say to myself, in America? Can you do that in America? Could you go give a Tikkun Meir, a, tikud meyer, a, s- a sitter to an American kid and say, learn how to read Hebrew. See me when you're finished. I mean, it's, it's, it's inconceivable so it's it's attitudin. if you think you could do it, you do it, and if you 're sure that you can 't do it, so you don 't do it this is what this is what rashi says this is what Rashi says there has to be something that is palatable that 's edible that that makes sense to them that's that 's what a teacher is supposed to do uh, you know in yeshivas, very often teachers are uh, are, are very fixed on, fixated or fixed, fixed on, on uh, showing how smart they are. You know, like being smart is a big thing in in yeshivot, and uh, and students of course don't usually relate to that. I mean, what difference? They, they, they just take they take on each of their being. Uh, okay, sometimes, but sometimes them. they can't. Okay, so I, there's another possible that I wanted earlier. I shared to simply if they have Okay, below ha Another pshat in Rashi, you can't teach it to the non-Jews. And even if you know in the laws of slavery, that there's some law of slavery, Jewish law, which is very similar to the Babylonian law, you can't take your case to a non-Jewish court. Why not? don 't because if you do that you 're guilty of of desecrating the name of god but uh, I mean, the rashi doesn 't explain really why why i mean if the result is the same i mean what 's the difference if you go to a jewish court they go to a non jewish court uh, uh Umiyakeshema gives credibility or credence or honour to Avodizora So somehow Rashi makes it into a kind of moral thing. That if you go to a non-Jewish court so you kind of saying that they have real authority and they're really smart and they know how to Paschal the Shiloh even if it's only in one particular case so now let's look at the Svatamet you have at the bottom of the page Svatamet who basically is going to interpret Rashi interpret Rashi he doesn't say that well, that's what he that's what he's doing this particular Rashi about the the yes well all the parts all the different parts of the Rashi that we just learned so it says here the Rashi so he says so so he doesn't understand why you have to why you have to emphasize the fact that the Mishpatim are from Sinai because everything from Sinai. As, as I, I uh, uh, explained, or I tried to explain, that maybe Moshe Rabbeinu on Har Sinai, the 40 days and 40 nights, he received all the mitzvot. So he received the mitzvot about slavery as well. So of course those, those mitzvot of slavery are about Sinai. So why does Rashi have to tell us that v'eila ha-mishpatim... Come to tell you... Just like these Abis Sinai... These also Abis Sinai... Like it's a problem... Ach Adoni... Abis Zikani... Mo'i Berabi... Zayat HaTzadad Rebrocham... Who is that? He's father... No he's, he's Zikani... His grandfather... His, his grandfather... Is the Chidush Yarim... The Chidush Yarim. Yarim... He's the Sfas Emes... The Sfas Emes' father... Died. Died young and this was brought up by his grandfather. So he quotes him all the time. He, he grew up in his house and so they you know, learned Torah together. The the I think the Khidushariba It's uh you know, that's a Gera name, was uh, is uh, was considered the Lord in Poland in in his time, you know, and he became a convert to Kutsk and he Meir the Gadusia rid became converted to kutsk you know which is either good or bad depending how you look at it and he set up this hasidut which became the largest hasidut in poland before world war 2 called they called themselves gur that's what they called themselves the ger Hasidu uh, by the time the war came they were the, the, the largest Hasidut in Poland. So they were, the even though the Imre Emes, uh, there's Chidushi Arim, and then the Svas Emes, then the Imre Emes, The the Emes came to Israel before World War II, and he was, uh, he pushed going to Israel. He was a Zionist from that point of view. Uh, but uh, most of the chassidim did not come. In the son of the US. Yeah, The Beis Israel is the... He's the son of the Imre Emes. After the Imre Emes, there were three Rebbeim who were brothers. Right? The Beis Israel. Who's after the Beis Yisrael? <coughs> of Simcha Menachem. <Budim. coughs> Those three are brothers, even though they're 20 years apart. Yeah. So as the first wife of the Imre Emes had... A son and another son twenty years later, and then she died, and he remarried and he had a third son, and all three sons became rabbis, a, a Ger I mean, there's no, the Ger never split into different uh, into different groups. Notice so they, you know, the Gers are supposed to be very rich. The Ger Rebbe is very rich. But it's interesting, how did he get so rich, the Gera Rebbe? He told, the Imra has told the Hasidim to go to Eretz Yisrael and to buy land in Eretz Yisrael. You know, in those days before World War II, there were all kinds of guys who went around and they had deeds and they were selling parcels of land in Eretz Yisrael. Nobody knew what they bought. They came to Eretz Yisrael and they saw that they bought a, a bunch of rocks on a hill and they got angry they got angry at the uh, at the Geri Rebbe and they said "What did you tell us to buy well, we didn't get anything for the money we invested the Gary Rebbe bought all the deeds to all the land from the Hasidim who were not happy about what they had gotten so he bought Tel Aviv you know and uh, you know he bought Tel Aviv and B'nai Brak and Petach Tikva I mean he, that's what he bought back from the Hasidim. So it doesn't take a lot of imagination, to, but he didn't have any money then. You know, he had to really work hard to get the money to buy the land back from the Hasidim. But uh, somehow he did it. So you this in uh, the That's the way saw. No, in Ramat in, 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 Shari Tzedek. in Shari Tzedek. The old Shari Tzedek during forty-eight. During the war they couldn't bury people at Harat You couldn't get to Harat so they made a temporary uh, grave yard in Sharit Sedik, next to Sharit Sedek, which is still there still there today. So in any event, what did he say? Al Mashukatov Lavi Naim Adavar That uh, that this this doesn't mean that it was Mishinai. That, of course it was Mishinai. But what does it mean? That Moshe Rabbeinu was obliged to tell them the essence of it. hadavar, Not just to tell them what he heard on Arsinai. Sinai Ze'e'tzel ha'mishpatim. Why is all of this called Mishpatim? What's special about them? Achikarer atzom. Sheidum sheav hamishpatim shem shemuvanin alpi seichel haadam im kol zot he al yedei shekhen ritzono yidbarach. Now listen, this is the basic principle, right? That's a little late. I'm sorry, but the basic principle that the that the svarter met enunciates is this when you say it's me sinai it means that it is uh, divine comes from God what does come from God mean well it may look exactly like something else that doesn't come from God but if you take the godly statement you can delve into it deeper and deeper and find new and more interesting meaning so that the lesson of the Ela mishpatim according to The lesson of the elam mishpatim is that Moshe Rabbeinu taught them something about the nature of Torah, not taught them Torah. And what Moshe Rabbeinu taught about the nature of Torah was that it was infinitely mineable. You can get more out of it and more out of it. Whereas you study the laws of Hammurabi, what you see is what you get. What you see is what you get. Now, how did Moshe Rabbeinu's success, in, in other words, they all knew that God wanted to give the Torah. But it was important that Bnei Yisrael should not think that the Torah is like some other book that people knew about or that the laws of the Torah were similar to the laws of X or Y or Z. And how did they do that? Or how was that done? Because <coughs> X and Y and Z didn't have any depth. You couldn't burrow into it you couldn't figure out something that you didn't know but mishpatim, that yes that's what that's what the Svatmet says the Svatmet goes on to prove it at length have a good Shabbos